I think I finally have the essence of the Nathan Stubblefield Earth Battery, so-called Earth Battery, named that way by the Patent Office. He called it a generator. And now I can see why. Imagine, if you will, what if you could take the back EMF of a coil and cause enough hysteresis on the back EMF to cause it to be so retarded that it be it becomes an assistance to the forward EMF of the coil. In other words, it's no longer back EMF. It becomes forward EMF to match the forward EMF of the initial um, inductive response of the coil so that now you don't have two responses anymore. You only have one. And it's all going in the same direction. So that back EMF that eats up the coil's um, current and, and magnetic force now is assisting it. I remember there was a guy on YouTube who, who claimed he had figured out how to, to take back EMF and use it to assist the forward EMF that caused it to come into being so that there wasn't any resistance anymore. There was assistance rather than resistance. In other words, the two EMFs added up rather than subtracting from each other. And so the net result is you had over unity, you know, not a humongous factor, but enough to be over unity. And simply because of what you did utilizing hysteresis to delay back EMF so that it becomes an, assist, an assistance to the forward EMF of the following cycle. Well, at least the following cycle. I mean, it could be <laughs> any subsequent cycle, but uh, considering that it's probably not that easy to do this, it probably just merely the, 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 the subsequent cycle. Okay, so if you've got an oscillate, if you've got... Um, now, if you apply... Well, no, actually... Okay, so Nathan Stubblefield planted his... This was not in the patent, but this was just stories. What's missing from the patent are several things, one of which is that he planted his earth battery, so-called earth battery, underneath the roots of an old oak tree and waited a year. Why? I guess because the oak tree had to make adjustments to integrate itself into the dynamics of what the earth battery was affording it. And that is, I'm assuming, the uh, uh, we know from General George Squire that he had uh, several patents in which he turned um, trees into aerials for field uh, radio operators of the Army, the, the U.S. Army. And he found how to use them. And I tried using it to see what impact it would have on the signal coming into an AM radio. And it actually did two things. It reduced it the static interference and it increased the signal strength coming from the radio station that you're trying to tune into. <clears throat> and all I had to do was connect... Um, an iron wire, was it iron or copper? You know, I can't remember. I think it was iron. From the ferrite, uh, from the connection that normally goes to the ferrite um, antenna inside the AM radio, to an iron, bare iron nail that I hammered into a tree uh, sufficiently deep enough to reach the sap of the tree. 
Um, and uh, General George Squires said you, it doesn't have to be a tree with leaves on it. It can be a tree devoid of leaves in the middle of winter, but it does have to be a living tree because you need the sap. And the sap is the correct shape of an aerial anyway. Before the days of digital uh, communication, when we had uh, strictly analog, aerials looked like trees, basically. Or the roots of a tree turned upside down, anyway. So... Um, let's see, where was I? So he planted it. So the tree acted as a signal receiver and, and transmitter. It acted as an aerial. So he's getting all these oscillations, natural oscillations from the environment, piped and concentrated, collected and concentrated directly into his device. He also was adept at um, sensing ley lines, geo, geomancy, in which you look for magnetic lines that uh, along the the Earth's surface that enhance magnetic activity. So he's trying to look for any way he can to enhance magnetic activity to feed into his generator, but it's oscillations. It's not DC. Now he winds two coils around the iron bolt core. One is copper insulate covered with a cloth insulator which he probably covered with a pitch or resin, something to to create. The, the fabric was just there to, to hold, to retain the insulator that he applied to the copper wire. The other wire he, he wound with the copper wire, it was a bifiler winding, <clears throat> was an iron, bare iron wire. Now, the connection, and then he had a load coil, a copper load coil on top of this thing. Sorry for the dog, <laughs> he's a little distracting. They're busy barking at each other, having an argument. <laughs> um, so he didn't specify what all the connections were. And if there are any circuits inside those connections that are not part of the patent disclosure. So I'm guessing they were diodes. Um, no, excuse me. Not, well, no, right, diodes. That's right. Similar to the aluminum, see... Instead of the aluminum diode, or the, excuse me, yeah, uh, the borax or the baking soda-based aluminum diode, you simply don't use an, an electrolyte. You use an alkali, such as borax or baking soda, in your connections between the copper wire and the iron wire. So each copper terminal goes to an iron terminal adjacent to it, that it's wound adjacent to, and then the other terminal likewise. So that way, you get a loop between the two windings, but they go in reverse direction, okay? So I'm guessing that the hysteresis of the iron wire is going to have an impact, a delay impact. It's going to delay the back EMF um, applied to it by the copper winding. And that means it may, um, or maybe his connections were the other way. You know, it's, it's, it all depends on how this hysteresis thing of the iron impacts the copper when they're connected together as a loop. So either adjacent terminals are connected or they're crossed to the, you go to the opposite terminal. Whatever is required to get this thing to overlap, to reinforce the back EMF, to, for the back EMF to overlap and reinforce the forward EMF. 
In other words, the effect, the 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 the, the effectual EMF, to assist rather than resist the causal EMF, to get the two halves of a cycle to superimpose on top of each other, so that you don't have them fighting. Um, you have them assisting each other, and you have. You've literally, I guess, you you will have t uh, managed to turn, um, without the use of diodes per se, you will have managed to turn um, an oscillating circuit into a DC circuit um, using a very strange, a very or unique, a very unique way to rectify an oscillating circuit, to fully rectify it, and get a slight over unity gain at the same time. Um, so I can see, because it's slight, he had to take advantage of increasing, you know, using other techniques to help increase the power output. So it's not, the magic is not all inside the, the generator. It, it also matters where you put it um, and how it interacts with its environment uh, as a consequence of where do you put it or <laughs> as, as a deciding factor of where you, uh, deciding where to put it. Okay, so that's my little hunch this morning, and I thought I'd share it with you. My little aha moment, because it's 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 still it's quite a in, intriguing mystery, you know what's uh, the operational logistics of a Nathan Stubblefield uh, patented uh, so-called Earth battery.